before the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming with their chariots and the Lord says stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses' job was to stand and the salvation comes from God. So in the battles that you're fighting, God wants you to go, but he's the one who brings the deliverance and that's how it works. That's the marriage of God doing his thing and us doing our things. Our job's just supposed to show up and then God shows off. That's how it works. What's your role in the battles you face? Are you supposed to take complete control and fight to the death? Pastor Daniel will share today how that's definitely not an accurate assessment. God does want you to participate in this life, the good and the bad, but he doesn't expect you to fight alone. He also isn't waiting for you to come up with the correct solution before he acts. God has something great planned. You just need to show up. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Judges, chapter 1, as he continues his message, The Conquest Continues. All of you are leaders, every single one of you. There's not one of you in this room. There's not one of you listening to this. Wherever you are, there's not one of you doesn't have a sphere of influence. And here's the thing, don't make people need you. Make people know Jesus. Joshua, I love this. Joshua's gone. The people are like, I'm going to go to the Lord. And listen, go to the Lord. He is the all-knowing. He's the one with all the omni-adjectives, you know? He's the all-knowing one. He's the all-powerful one. He's the always-present one. If you are a born-again follower of Jesus, he has not only allowed you to be in his family. He set a place at his table that you're allowed to pull up and snuggle into the Lord at any time and ask him for whatever you need wisdom on and he wants to give it to you. And listen, I'm not saying that God doesn't use people uniquely. I think God wants to use all of you uniquely and very specifically. But the key is, is if you have Jesus, you don't need to rely on another person. That's why Jesus said, don't call anybody father. Don't call him rabbi. Why? Because you can all come to me. You are acceptable in the beloved. When Jesus said it is finished, that veil in the temple. Now remember in the temple there, there was the outer courts where anybody could go. But then there was the holy place where only the priest could go. And then there was the veil. And then there was the holy of holies. And the only person who could go in there was the high priest. And only first when an offering was given for him. And then he could go in once a year with the blood offering for the people. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, the veil of that, that separated the holy place from the holy, it ripped from top to bottom. And I, I just always imagine what it was like for the priests who were there in the holy place. When that happened, they were just like, like, like except for the high priest, none of them had ever seen the Ark of the Covenant. No, they, they had been serving in the temple their entire lives, but they'd never seen this before. And you can imagine me like, what just happened? The reason it ripped from top to bottom is because God is saying, look, now there's open access to me. Because the high priest was a type and shadow of the great high priest, Jesus. 
And the blood offering on the day of Yom Kippur, that was a type and shadow of God's lamb that was slain for the sins of the world, Jesus Christ. And because his blood was shed, his life was given. Anyone who puts their faith and trust in him, you don't need a mediator because of Jesus, because Jesus is the one mediator between God and man. And if you're in Christ, you can go to the Father. You can come to God's word. You can say, Lord, you are my king. Speak to me. And I love the fact Joshua's gone. They need Joshua. They have the Lord. And that's proof to me that Joshua is an amazing leader. So listen, there are people in all of our lives. I think about my pastor in my own life, a man still to this day as somebody who I can lean on, somebody who I rely upon when I have questions, somebody who I can call. I have lots of people like that in my life. And I'm grateful for them, but we always need to make sure we don't elevate that person beyond where they're supposed to be. And it's a big problem in the body of Christ. Like where a pastor makes a bad mistake and then people fall away. That will only happen if you don't have your eyes on Jesus. Here's the thing. You should expect your leaders to be failures. You know why? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not one perfect person. Now listen, I'm not trying to fail. I'm not confessing that I'm failing or anything like that. As far as I know, I'm, I mean, I'm messed up and Jesus is real. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. If you ever think that I'm going to not mess up, I'm definitely going to let you down. Because I believe in Jesus because I know that I mess up. And any leader messes up. And there's grace when we mess up. But listen, Jesus is the king. You can go to him. The spirit of God dwells in you if you're born again, just like anybody else. And so we have to make sure that we don't get that stuff kind of crooked. Isn't it true? It's real easy to get really focused on a person other than Jesus. And it always leads to issues, unfortunately. So they come to the Lord, and I love this. Lord, who shall, we're in verse one still. See, we're not getting anywhere today. (laughs) Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hands. Now, how cool is this? Could you ever imagine it was like they're seeking the Lord? Like, Lord, so which one of us tribes is going to go first? Who's going to get the first shot at this? And you can imagine someone being like, oh, pick me, Lord, pick me. And the other ones be like, not me. Right? Now, it's a good reminder because some of us are zealous like that. Like, I'll do it. doesn't be like, you know. Like, you know, it's like when you were in school and he was like, who's got the answer? There's always those kids who are like, me, me, me. I got the answer. Even if they don't have the answer, they have the answer. Right? Right? And then there's other people like, don't pick me at all. Right? And so there are different personality types and some of you are gregarious and some of you think you know everything. And there's others of you who just like, whatever you do, God, don't pick me. Right? Now, here's the thing. If you're like the whoever you are, God, whatever you're doing, don't pick me. I want to tell you that. I think God wants to use you especially. You know why? Because God loves to pick the people who don't think they're supposed to be picked. Why? Because if God always picks the person who thinks they should be picked, then when God does something, that person might be like, I did that. Of course I did. I'm so smart. Right? But if you don't want to be picked and God picks you, then you'll be able to say, man, I had nothing to do with that. I didn't even want to go. Right? And the Bible says that no flesh should glory in his presence. So listen, if you're the kind of people like, don't pick me, I think God's already picking you. But listen, if God's picked you, are you stepping out? Because here's the, this is what I found. I know that my Bible says that there's no such thing as like second-class Christians. There's just people who follow Jesus and people who don't. And there's no such thing as a part of God's family who's not part of the body. And guess what? Every part of your body's got a job to do. So there's no such thing as being a Christian and not having something that you're supposed to be doing in Jesus' name because, 
I mean, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know exactly what the appendix does, but I know that if the appendix doesn't work, the body's pretty messed up, right? And so I might not know what the appendix does, and some of you are doctors, but you'll tell me later, and I'm grateful for the information. You know what I mean? But it's like, if it doesn't work, the whole body gets messed up. So here's the thing. God wants to use all of you. But the thing is, for a lot of you, like, well, don't pick me, God, but he's already calling you out, and you're just like, I don't want to go, and that's what you call rebellion. That's rebellion. You were recreated in Christ to play an integral part in the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. So if you're sitting on the sidelines right now, if you're like, Lord, don't pick me, guess what? He already picked you. He's already got a job for you. So stop being faithless and step out. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Step out now. Step out now. Don't just let me out. That was a cute moment. I know it's supposed to be me. Step out now. Okay? Now, I love this. He chooses Judah. And you realize in the Bible that Judah was the fourth son of Jacob, right? Now, in that culture, the firstborn was always the one who was the right of the firstborn there. There's a place of preeminence. But the Bible always actually undercuts that. And we've been studying that. As we looked at Genesis, all these books, we've been seeing that over and over and over again. And Judah ends up becoming the, the, the driver. Remember, it's like you have these 12 tribes, and then when they get all broken up, a few generations in, you're talking about Israel, which is the 10 northern tribes, which is normally typified by Ephraim as the largest tribe, and then Judah, the two southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And really, the tribe of Judah takes the preeminence. So it's not by chance that the Lord's like, yeah, I want Judah. Because who is the quintessential person from the tribe of Judah. Anybody know? Jesus. Why? Because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. All those genealogies, those family trees, like long before we had Ancestry.com, it was in the Bible. Every good idea is in the Bible. You know that, right? It's like Ancestry.com. It's like right there. And then there's a whole book called Chronicles. It's got all these lists of your ancestry for the children of Israel because God knew that someone was going to make millions of dollars. You want to know where you came from. Anyway, sorry. Now I lost my train of thought. Darn. <laughs> I was thinking about all the amazing rabbit trails I could go on. Anyway, those genealogies are in the Bible because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so it's not by chance that the first one is supposed to go is Judah. Now, notice what he says about Judah here. He says, Judah shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Anybody think that's a strange statement? I want Judah to go up because Judah's got all this stuff to do wrong. Judah, because I have delivered the land into their hands. See, that's how, when you're a follower of Jesus, that's how the battles work. God says, I want you to go, but I'm going to do all the work. You have to be there, but the battle is mine. And here's the thing. The way Satan works when we're in skirmishes, he thinks it's your battle. And I'm going to tell you, if you're fighting people, you're fighting the wrong battle. Because the battle's the Lord's. And it's always been the Lord's. And what that means is we're supposed to show up. It's like, remember Moses, when they were before the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was coming with their chariots? And the Lord says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. Moses' job was to stand. And the salvation comes from God. So in the battles that you're fighting, God wants you to go, but he's the one who brings the deliverance. And that's how it works. That's the marriage of God doing his thing and us doing our things. Our job's just supposed to show up. And then God shows off. That's how it works. So don't shy away from the battle that's in front of you. Instead, remember, your job is to show up. Judah is going to be the first to go because I have delivered the land into their hand. Now, what I love about Judah is Judah doesn't want to do it alone. So Judah, in verse 3, so Judah said to Simeon, his brother, come up with me to my allotted territory that we may fight against the Canaanites, and I will likewise go with you to your allotted territory. And Simeon went with him. You know what I love about this? 
Now, Judah and Simeon were close. You know, you find, if you read back in Genesis 29, they did some battling together. But here's the thing. Do you have those people in your life? That when you're in the midst of a skirmish, like, listen, will you come up with me on my skirmish? And I'll be with there for you. Listen, I believe that church, not the building, not the internet campus, not the campuses, but the people. God wants you to have those alliances with people where they show up at your skirmish and you're like, hey, and you know I'm going to return the favor. And listen, we find all through the scriptures that God's people live self-sacrificially, just like our Lord does. And so do you have those people? I think there's some of you right now, there's people who are your people who you're not showing up for right now. And I think you need to start showing up for them. I think there are some of us that there are people who you have those alliances with, those friendships with, those relationships with, and they need you right now. And you're just like, I don't feel like dealing with this right now. And I'm here to tell you, that's not the heart of Jesus. Can you imagine if Jesus was like, I don't feel like having to deal with you right now. Can you imagine if he did that? It's, he doesn't do that. He never does that. And here's the thing. Oftentimes, there's a cost to showing up for somebody. And one of the things I love, and I think the people of God are, are really growing in this, in this generation in unique ways. Jesus is always on the side of the vulnerable, the marginalized, and the oppressed. You realize that almost every time Jesus showed up for somebody who was in trouble on the margins, he did it and he went against the grain of culture. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, know what I love about what's going on in this generation for the body of Christ? You have to decide if you want to be American political, if you want to be a follower of Jesus. And I love that. Listen, I'm proud that I get to live in this country, but I don't want to be American first and Christian second. I want to be a Christian. And know what the problem is? A lot of the political discussions, if you're just thinking red or blue, you're not thinking the cross and the empty tomb. Because the red and the blue is actually obscuring what Jesus would do in that situation. You realize Jesus told the story, the good the only person who helped was a Samaritan, who everybody who Jesus talked to hated. It's amazing. It's like he used a priest, a Levite, and then a Samaritan. And it's just like, it's mind-blowing. A woman caught in the act of adultery in a culture that oppressed women, and Jesus advocates for her. Jesus hangs out with the tax collectors and the sinners. The religious people couldn't stand it. They thought, what is wrong with this guy? They would go to the disciples and say, what's wrong with this teacher? He hangs out with the riffraff. But does Jesus care at all? And listen, the people of God were never meant to be a pawn in American politics. We are meant to be culture makers, bringing the kingdom of heaven down to earth in every generation, in every government. And what I love that's going on right now is the people of God are waking up to this because really what I would say is that Jesus overturns tables in both conventions. There's issues on both sides. And everybody wants Jesus to be, this is my thing. Listen, there's a lot of things that Jesus thinks. But here's the thing, every time someone was oppressed, vulnerable, on the margins, that's the people who Jesus wants. That's why it says that pure and undefiled religion is to visit who? Widows and orphans in their trouble and keep yourself unspotted from the world. You guys, that widows and orphans were completely marginalized in Jesus's culture. They were completely vulnerable to be oppressed in whatever way anybody decided. They had no rights under the law. And they're like, that's what real religion is. That's what it really means to follow Jesus. 
is you go to the most vulnerable. You do it as completely countercultural, and you keep yourself unspotted from the world as you do it. Now, it's important that we learn how to help people through their hard times. And it's one of the things I love so much about our family of faith here at Crossroads. It's really quite extraordinary what goes on. You know, I don't even know the half of it. But you got to make sure you have those alliances, those people, like Judah and Simeon. Judah's like, come up, man. God's called us out. Why don't you come? And then I'll come for you too. I'll take care of When we're done with my battle, we'll do your battle. And listen, if you're like, hey, I really want that, listen, in just six weeks or so, we're going to have our fall launch with all the ministries. And we want you to get in small groups, all of you. We want to see everybody across earth in small groups. Because listen, it's hard to build relationships sometimes in the large family gathering worship service. But when you get around the table with people, you get, and you start to live life with them and all the stuff about their lives you start to hear about. And, and then you realize, man, we could do this thing for them. And, and, and it becomes way more personal. And Jude and Simeon have that. And so Simeon's like, yeah, bro, I'll, I'll do this with you. Sounds great. Now look what it says in verse four. It says, and Judah went up and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hands and they killed 10,000 men at Bezek. So they went up to the city called Bezek. When they're there in Bezek, they totally rout them. Totally rout them. 10,000 people get killed. Now what's interesting is, and then they found Adonai Bezek in Bezek, and they fought against him, and they defeated the Canaanites and the Perizzites. Now, the word Adonai is the Hebrew word for Lord. So the idea of Adonai Bezek, he was the Lord or the king or the ruler of Bezek. Now, you realize that in your Bibles, when you have the word Lord, capital L, and then lowercase O-R-D, it's the word Adonai. So when we talk about Jesus, it's, you know, he's the Lord, he's the master, Right Now, what's interesting is other times in your Bibles, you have the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's actually the personal name of God that we would say was Yahweh. People used to say it was Jehovah. If you're really technical, you call it the tetragrammaton, which means four letters because we're so deep that way. You know, it's the Yud, the He, the Vav, the He, the Y, H, W, H, or V, H, depending on which language you like to speak and people argue about what it is. Now, if you didn't miss any of that, you're like, what did you just talk about? You can go back and check it out online and just drop some theology on you real quick, and you can think about it later. So, so that idea of Adonai Bezek, this was the king or the leader of Bezek, right? So in the midst of this battle, they end up with Adonai Bezek. And then they say something that's totally kind of nuts. Then Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued him, and they caught him, and they cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Now, let me say this first. We always say this, that when you're reading the Bible and they're telling stories, that narrative is not normative. What that means is, just like when you listen to the news, just because the news reports what happened doesn't mean it agrees with what happened. Does that make sense? So somebody reads you like, okay, so like, you know, if we catch like, you know, some kings, should we just like cut off his big toes and his, and, and his thumbs? What's up with that? The idea is they're just telling what happened. Now, what you don't realize, it sounds barbaric to us, but there's actually great wisdom in what they did. Why? Because Adonai Bezek would have been the leader of the king. And the leader of a king in cities at that time, they had two primary functions. One as priest of the people and two as warrior of the people. And you realize if you cut off someone's thumbs and you cut off their big toes, it's hard to be a warrior or a priest. I mean, can you imagine me trying to do, and listen, let's not find out with me, okay? Just remember, I don't want anyone to get any bright ideas. But can you imagine me trying to officiate communion here at Crossroads? And like, I'm like trying to put like the bread between these two fingers. 
you don't realize, I mean, if you ever had like a stubbed toe or a jammed thumb, a broken thumb, you realize how hard it is, right? It's like your big toe on your feet is a major stabilizer to your ability to stand. Your thumbs are almost essential to grab something. Now, you can figure out another way to do it, but it really incapacitated the leader from performing these two functions. So there was a a purpose to it. And what's also interesting is when priests were anointed to be king or to be priests, there was oil that was placed on their ears and their thumbs and their big toes. So there's some stuff there. Now, if you're bored, you can do like a a thumbs and big toes study of the Bible. And you, you might come up with some really cool stuff. It might be totally insane, but it could be really fun. But that's what they do to him. And what's interesting is what Adonai Bezek says. And I'm going to close at verse seven. Only made it seven verses in. Sounds about right. That's what Adonai Bezek says. He says, 70 kings with their thumbs and their big toes cut off used to gather scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And you hear what he said? Adonai Bezek confesses that he's done this to lots of other people. And maybe 70 is a rounded number. He's saying, what he's saying is, what just happened to me, I've done to lots of kings. These kings who I conquered, all of the people that I conquered, all their kings got their thumbs and their toes cut off and they would gather scraps around my table. And he's like, so God actually repaid me what I've done. Now, you can call this the principle of sowing and reaping. And you get that from Paul's letter to the Galatians where he says, whatever a person sows that they will also reap. Actually, he begins that entire section by saying, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a person sows that they will also reap. If you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you will reap what? Everlasting life. So what we find here is Adonai Bezek sowed destruction in people's lives. And he, you know, he's acknowledging that God repaid me what I've done to many people. And we often don't love the fact that our God is a God of justice. Jesus is When trials arise and battles need to be fought, you need support. The best support you can cling to is your Heavenly Father, who's always walking beside you and bringing things to miraculous conclusions. The other source of help you can find Pastor Daniel shared in today's message, your church family. That's what the body of Christ is intended for, to hold each other up in the battles and help bring life. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. 
I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will remind you that you're a new creation when you're in Christ. You no longer have to be who you used to be. Jesus has a new legacy that you can step into, but he's not going to force you to participate. If you choose to stick with him, you'll have an adventure of a lifetime placed in front of you and a savior to walk the road with you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.